And everyone, stand up. And if you don't have a Bible and you need one, if you want to raise your hand quickly, one of the ushers will give you a Bible. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's all gift to you. We would love to uh, bless you guys in that way. All right, Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. At your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you and whose hearts are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go with strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold your shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wickedness. For the Lord is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. So, what you just heard from Matt were words that are unlike any other words in this world. They were God's words. We here at Sojourn believe that The Bible is God's word. That means that if the heavens open right now and you heard an audible voice from God, it would be the same authority and power that you just heard read from Scripture. We believe that God wrote the Bible through men and it is completely authoritative. It is a letter from our Creator. And i got to tell you guys, I'm a little nervous today. I'm a little nervous being up here. How am I supposed to, to speak on behalf of this God? But I'm extremely confident that Yahweh will make himself known today. He is going to make himself known through his word, so I'm not worried about that. I want you guys to consider a little experiment today, okay? Okay. There's no pressure. You do not have to do this. But consider it. Take out your phone and put it on airplane mode. I want us to try for the next 30 minutes, maybe 40, hopefully not 45, (laughs) to focus on God and his word. I I don't want you to be worried about me being boring and then you're going to Amazon and buying something you don't really need. So listen, if, if you get bored during this sermon, instead of going to Facebook or Amazon, just start praying for me. Pray, God, please stop letting him be so boring, okay? <laughs> so try that out. So flip your phone to airplane mode. When was the last time you had 30 minutes without your phone on? I mean, just, let's try it. And so one of the reasons I want us to do that is because I want our eyes to be focused on God's word. So Matt did a great job reading. It wasn't as good as Becky Barnes would have done. She was supposed to read, but Matt, you did a great job. But I want to read it again. So open up your Bibles. Get your eyes on God's Word. Scroll to your Bible app with your phone that's on airplane mode. And let's listen to this psalm, this letter from our Maker. If you got one of these Bibles, uh, it's on page 316. 316, that's a good biblical number. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! 
My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. God, speak to us today. Make us to know that you are speaking to us. Send your spirit and open up our eyes to behold wondrous things in your word. You are incomparable. You are indescribable. Make me to be able to speak some of your glory and your grace. May you increase in all of our eyes today. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. My wife, my boys, my family, perfectly cooked ribeye steak, fresh squeezed orange juice. Oh my gosh. Have you guys ever taken an orange off a tree and squeezed it into a cup and drank it? It's amazing. Hockey, basketball, new technology, HDTV, 4K TV. I need one. Splitting firewood, the great outdoors, especially if there is no chance of a bear being around. (laughs) Those are some things that make me happy. Really happy. What makes you happy? You don't have to answer, just, just think about it for a minute. What makes you happy? What's coming into your mind right now are probably pretty accurate things for where you find your happiness in, in this life. John Piper has a question for us this morning. He's a pastor in Minneapolis, author, teacher. He says, The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth, and all the food you ever liked, and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, and no human conflict or natural disaster, could you be satisfied in heaven if Christ were not there? Would you be happy in heaven if Christ wasn't there? Or maybe a more immediate question, can you be happy now, here on earth, if Christ is all you have? If everything you love and everything you enjoy, everything that makes you happy, it's taken away, it's stripped from you. If all you had was God, could you be happy? Could you be happy in him if you lose everything? You know, I think about that list of things that I read off and... Sometimes I definitely think that would be enough for me. If I could have all those things forever, I would be happy. But that misses the point of what we were made for. We were made to find our happiness in God. Today through Psalm 84, I want us to see how having God can make us happy now 
and forever. So I have three points. Happy with his power, happy in his presence, and happy for his glory. So how can we be happy with his power? To understand this a little bit more clearly, I'm going to take you back to the book of Numbers. I know, exciting, the book of Numbers. So in number 16, there's a guy named Korah, and he rebels against God. So the heading in number 16 is Korah's Rebellion. And God is holy, and he must be worshipped on his terms. You don't get to choose how you worship him. Korah didn't really get that. It didn't make it through his head. And then number 16 happens. Let me read it for you. And as soon as he had finished speaking all these words, the ground under them split apart. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the people who belonged to Korah and all their goods. So they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them, and they perished from the midst of the assembly. And all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, Lest the earth swallow us up. And fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men offering incense. Then a few chapters later, in Numbers 26, we read that those who contended against Moses and Aaron in the company of Korah, when they contended against the Lord, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up together with Korah. And that company died when the fire devoured 250 men, and they became a warning. But the sons of Korah did not die. So why did I just tell you about that? Well, if you notice at the top of Psalm 84, it's a psalm of the sons of Korah. So these guys saw their dad and a lot of other people get swallowed up by the earth. But the sons of Korah did not die. And whether Psalm 84 was written by the sons of Korah or written for them, you can bet they were, keen, they were keenly aware of who they were dealing with and who they were worshiping. Someone who could split the earth open, just like Sean split the chairs on two sides today. Well, I don't know why he did that, just... I'm not used to all this space. But God split this earth open, and then he closed it up. I think this is one of the reasons that throughout Psalm 84, you'll see that the psalmist acknowledges God as the Lord of hosts, which is a, a name and a title of his great power, as we'll see. They knew and they saw his power. How else are you going to address someone who can split the earth open? So if you look in verses 1, 3, 8, and 12, this name and title, the Lord of hosts, is used. And why I'm highlighting this is because in the whole book of Psalms, this name and title, the Lord of hosts, is used only 15 times. So 25% of the time that it's used in all of the book of Psalms is in this one psalm. So I think that's important. As you read the Bible for yourself, recognizing things that are prominent and repeated, repeated are a way to help understand the main point of the text. So if you look even closer at the word Lord, you'll see that it's in all caps. You see that? L-O-R-D, Lord, all caps. And this is how we've translated the name of God, the personal name of God, Yahweh. We don't use that name really anymore. Um, maybe sometimes in some songs, and I, I guess maybe if you're, you're Hebrew, Jewish, but we've sort of lost the, the meaning behind this, and this personal name of God, who in Exodus 3, this is how he chose to reveal himself. Listen to Exodus 3. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, Yahweh, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. He is Yahweh. He has chosen to reveal himself to us. He created us to know him. He wants us to know him. He reveals himself to us through this word. He tells us his name. He is Yahweh of hosts. He is God Almighty. This, when you see this title, Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts, you're supposed to realize 
who you're dealing with. The creator of heaven and earth. The one who has complete control of the angel armies. The one who has complete command over all human armies. The one who spoke the host of heaven and earth into existence. He is Yahweh of hosts. He is the one who goes before us. He is the one who stands behind us. He is the one who can do all things. I want to see this power when I see this name and title. I want to know and believe that Yahweh is my king and my God. A.W. Tozer, who's a, an author who's not alive anymore, I don't think. He's pretty old. Right? He's, Ian, is he dead? I think he's, yeah, he's, okay. Amen. Sorry, Mr. Tozer. Okay, he says, listen to this, in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, he says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What we believe about God should change how we live. If we could see and believe in the power of Yahweh of hosts, maybe we could rest a little easier with the troubles in this life that constantly surround us. Or maybe you're thinking, okay, Daniel, I thought you said it was about happiness. Where's that happy part? So look at verse 5. Blessed is the one, blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. This word blessed means happy. I checked with the smart people, okay? It means happy. Happy are those whose strength is in you. The psalmist is telling us that we can be happy with Yahweh's power. We can be happy when we know his power and find our strength in him. Now, I know this is a little easier said than done. It requires faith. It requires knowing God's power so that we can be happy in it. You see, we tend to lose our happiness. I tend to lose my happiness when God doesn't use his power how I want him to. Our happiness needs to be in his power, in the one who does whatever he pleases, in the one who can do all things. Nothing is too hard for Yahweh of hosts. This is what it means to be all-powerful. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. And this is our God. Let me take a little moment to tell you some more about his power. In him, all things hold together. So if we're getting to the point in the sermon where you're a little bored, I want to wake you up a little bit. Knock on your chair. Hit, tap your chair. Just hit it. Hit it. It's solid, right? It's, nobody's chair is like wobbling. Like you're hitting, it's solid. It's being held together by the power of Yahweh. If he stopped ordering the world to work how he designed it, your chair wouldn't be holding you up. You would fall onto the ground if he decided to leave the ground like it is and not split it open. We are constantly being upheld by the power of Yahweh. We just forget it so easily. We'll drive out onto the road in our cars thinking that this metal and rubber is is holding us on the road. God, Yahweh is upholding your car, whether you think it or remember it or believe it or not. You've had more than a month now, six weeks, I think, to see Infinity War. And don't, don't worry, I'm not going to ruin it. No, there's no spoiler here. But somebody dies in the movie, okay? Somebody dies. And the way that they die, their molecules and atoms are sort of dissipating and they're wasting away. Now, if you have seen the movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you haven't seen the movie, you should go see it. It's, it's a good movie, but I'm sure you can picture that. Picture just this deconstruction of your whole 
being, being wasted away. This is what would happen to us should Yahweh of hosts choose to stop exerting his power to hold us together. We would cease to exist. He is not just powerful, though, because he's holding us together or your chairs. He is upholding all things. The sun and the moon and the stars stay in place because of his power. The oceans and rivers and waters in them only go so far because of his power. The hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes that bring so much destruction are a small glimpse of his power. That volcano that is spewing lava in Hawaii right now is a small glimpse of Yahweh's unstoppable power. They can't do anything about the lava, unfortunately. It cannot be stopped. That is power. There are a trillion things happening right now in this very second that are all under the power and control of God. Every heartbeat, every breath that each one of us is experiencing right now is because of God's power. Every speck of dust and grain of sand that is moving throughout the universe is only landing and going so far because of the power and control of Yahweh. Nothing moves outside of his control. He is the Lord of hosts. He has supreme authority and complete command and control over all things in this world, natural and supernatural. This is the Lord of hosts. This is not a name to just gloss over. This is not something to forget. This is a title that is supposed to put us in our place and remind us of who we are dealing with. This is the Lord of hosts. This is Yahweh. He will not be stopped. His purposes will not be thwarted. He has the power to do whatever he pleases. Any man-made power, think a movie scene with total and complete destruction. Think about this volcano, this natural power of the volcano or a tornado. This is only a small glimpse of God's power. When you see great power, you should not think that's what God's power is like. No, all you can think is that is but a small glimpse of his terrifying power. His power is incomparable. It is not comparable to anything. Isaiah says it is terrifying power. And oh, how terrified we should be if this God was not for us. You see, any difficult situation you are in in your life right now is under his control. And we don't always know why he's using his power the way that he chooses to use it. But we can be sure that any strength that you need is found in him. Maybe you think, my experience isn't like the psalmist who's longing and fainting and finding his happiness in God's power. There's another psalm from the sons of Korah. There's 11 of them. And another one of them is Psalm 42. Maybe this sounds more like your experience. My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? My soul is cast down within me. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you at turmoil within me? Hope in God, for shall, I shall again praise him, my salvation 
and my God. Listen, I'm not trying to tell you that you just need to put a smile on your face. But I want you to see that blessed are those whose strength is in Him. Blessed are those whose strength is in Him. Let us fight together to be happy with His power that is in control of all things and giving us life and breath right now. This all-powerful God made us, and he made us to know him. He made us to be with him in his presence. In Psalm 84, the psalmist cannot stop talking about God's presence. Let's look at this. Verse 4. I know I'm going out of order, okay? 5, 4. It's God's word, just listen to it. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Verse 1, how lovely is your dwelling place. Verse 2, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. Verse 3, even the sparrow finds a home at your altars. Verse 4, blessed are those who dwell in your house. Verses 5 through 7 talk about this journey to Zion, which is where God's presence was. Verse 10, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. And also a little note on this word doorkeeper. It's not really about this position of being the one who hands out the bulletins. It's not that kind of doorkeeper. It's, you're just on the threshold of the door. The psalmist is just saying he, he'd rather be on the very edge of God's house than to be in the tents of wickedness. As you can see and hear, the psalmist really wants to be where God is. He's talking about his courts and his house and his altar because for him, God was in the temple. This is where God's presence Dwelt. This is why his longing was for those places, because God, Yahweh, was there. So I need to make a little point of clarification right now. This is not how things work anymore. God's presence is not contained to the walls of Frost Middle School on Sunday mornings once a week. This is not how things work. Remember that guy, Jesus? Remember what he did? There was a temple that had a veil. And when he died, it split in half. The veil was torn and Jesus made a way to enter the presence of God, the Holy of Holies anytime and anywhere when you are with him. He has made a way. You don't need to be here to experience the presence of God. God is not here because of these walls. He is here because we are here. He has made his dwelling place in us now, in his people you can experience the presence of God, communion with him at your breakfast table, in your bedroom, at Burke Lake Park, on a walk through the woods. You don't have to be here to experience God's presence. Now, let me get something straight for you. I'm not saying that this gathering isn't important or that it doesn't matter. I'm not saying that it isn't special. It is good to be 
together with God's people. But I need you to know, I need to be reminded that we can worship God and meet with him more than once a week. You can be in his presence any time that you want in Christ. Even during your commute. Maybe your commute wouldn't turn you into the Hulk if you could remember that you could enter into God's presence on 66 or 495. And I'm talking from experience. Because I drive those roads for more than two hours a day during the week. So just sit there on 66 or 495 or in the waiting room or in some line that you don't want to be in and be still and know that he is God. Yahweh of hosts is with you even in traffic. Amen? Okay. So the psalmist cannot get Enough of God's presence. He's desiring it. He wants more of it. He knew it wasn't about this geographic location. He wanted to be near God. Do you desire God like this? Do you want him more than anything? Do you long and faint to be in his presence? If you have never experienced this desire or this longing, if you can't relate to the psalmist, if you have never felt like this, you might not be a Christian. Now, like I read from Psalm 42, you can be cast down. So I'm not expecting you, I'm not expecting Christians to always have a smile on their face. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not expecting you to always have a Psalm 84 experience with God. But I am hoping that you want that. I want you to want that. And if you don't, I want you to want to want that. Being a Christian is about having a new happiness and a new delight that you would ask him to make you desire him more than anything. Being a Christian is about resting in him and his grip on you, even when you don't feel anything for him. That you fundamentally believe that Yahweh is the one who is holding you. It is not about your grip on him. It is not about the strength of your faith. It is about Yahweh. You are not a Christian because of what you do or because of your delight, but because of what Christ has done. Your Christian life will be a disaster if you think you became a Christian because of something you did. Listen, God acted towards you. In Exodus 3, he reveals himself and his name. He acts, he reveals, he initiates, he pulls you, he draws you, he dragged some of you to himself. He revealed himself to you. You were an enemy of God. You were dead in your sin. You were hiding from the presence of God because of your sin. Just like Adam and Eve when they sinned and they thought they could hide and and cover up and God wouldn't see. Are you hiding from God today? Do you think you can hide from him? Even more so, you cannot be in the presence of God because of your sin. He is holy, holy, holy Yahweh of hosts. His presence is incinerating without Christ. But God, 
being rich in mercy, made you alive. He made you a friend. He made a way so that his presence can make you happy. Yeah, you responded to him. Sure, you can say that. But your response was not a part of the effort that made you alive in him. Your response is thanksgiving. Your response is worship. Your response is to recognize who he is and what he has done. Pay attention to this very closely. If, if, maybe if this is the only thing you walk away with, I want, you to, I want you to know this today. The only perfection that God is looking for is found in Christ. He is not looking for your perfect life, your perfect happiness, your perfect delight in him. He is looking for you to place your trust in his son's perfection. That's it. Go to him. The psalmist cries out, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Why would he say this if he didn't think that God's presence would bring him complete happiness? All throughout the Psalms, we see in Psalm 16, it says that God's presence brings fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore. How about that for fulfillment? Fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore in his presence. We know from Psalm 73 that there is nothing on earth that compares to him. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. We know from Philippians 3 that knowing Christ is of surpassing worth. Knowing Jesus is better than anything you can ask for or imagine. We know these things, but do we really believe these things? This is where we need God to do a work. We need him to work in our hearts to help us to see that we can be happy in his presence now, today, and forever. What is the main source of your happiness right now? Going back to what I was asking in the beginning, what do you not have that you think will make you happy forever. Consider that this week. Take those things that you think are making you happy or you think will make you happy. Take them to him and ask him to make himself your greatest happiness. Being happy with his power and being happy in his presence isn't mainly about just our happiness. I'm not trying to focus on us. At the end of the day, this is about his glory, being happy for his glory. Let's read verses 10 through 12 again. Remember, these are God's words. Everything that I'm saying that's not from this word, you've got to test against this word. So if you were stressed out when I was talking, is that true or not? Maybe you should be a little stressed out. Take it to the word. But these words you can rest and listen to. Verses 10 through 12, look at them. If your phones are still in airplane mode. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God, Yahweh God, is a sun and shield. The Lord, Yahweh, bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Yahweh of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. I'm sure most of you have heard the Westminster Shorter Catechism question and answer. What is the chief end of man? Anybody know it? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Maybe you've heard that John Piper, in his arrogance, decided to change it. To glorify God by enjoying him forever. Or maybe you also heard Piper saying, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. 
I want us to see today, I want us to understand that God is glorified when we desire him. When we want him more than anything, we display his worth to the world. We don't just sing, Jesus is better because it's a catchy tune or it's popular right now. We sing that song because it glorifies him. This makes him look good when you choose him over other things, over your own way. His commandments are not conditions for his favor and grace. He has already bestowed favor and honor. And then he says, walk uprightly. His commandments are a pathway to good. They're a pathway to him. So when you believe what he says and choose him and his way over other things in your own way, that glorifies him. You can think about any practical commandment you want, whether it's lust, and he says, let there not even be a hint of sexual immorality. And you believe that if you don't choose to look at that image or do that thing, that he is better, that glorifies him. Maybe it's alcohol. Do not get drunk with wine. And when you believe that and choose his way, that he will not withhold anything good if you obey him, that glorifies him. When you stop thinking that you're going to find fulfillment and satisfaction and happiness in your own way, apart from him. Sure, maybe some drinks can put a temporary smile on your face, but nothing that's lasting. Sure, maybe an image looks good for a second, but it's only apparent good. It's not really good. God is good. He is the one who should be the source of all our joy and happiness. Listen to the psalmist glorify God. How lovely is your dwelling place. It's better than any other place. My soul longs for the Lord. I want him more than anything else. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. A day in your courts with you are better than a thousand anywhere. Believe me, when I was 16 and skating down the road on my rollerblades to go to the cul-de-sac to play street hockey with my friends and lifted my hands above my head and shouted, this is the best day of my life. I had my friends and my sport. I believed that that day was better than a thousand elsewhere. So I'm with you. I I understand. But I want to fight with you to believe that in his presence, that moment, that time, having him with us is better than anything else. The Lord God is a sun and a shield. This is the only place in the Bible that God is referred to as a sun. Like Edward reminded us, he brings life. When you acknowledge that, when you see that, when you choose him over anything else, that glorifies him. This is also the only psalm where this word blessed appears three times. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. Like I said before, when something is that prominent, the author is usually trying to make something clear. And what he's trying to make clear is that our happiness is important to God. Our happiness glorifies him when it is found in him. What more do you want today? What more do you need than him? One way you're going to experience and realize his presence and have communion with him is by hearing his word. You can't know him 
if you don't know his word. You can go outside and you can see that the heavens declare the glory of God. Let God speak to you through that. You can look to the person next to you and you can see someone created in God's image and ponder their best qualities. Naomi's patience is unbelievable. It's not even her best quality. But that just speaks a little bit of God's patience. So open up your Bible and see God. You need to read it. You need to hear it. You need to memorize it every day so that you can know him. Listen, I drive two hours a day. I can't always have a 30-minute quiet time with my journal. But I try to listen to the word when I can. Find an app. Don't try to read the Bible while you're driving. Find an app and listen to God's word. It counts. Get his word in your head somehow every day. Memorize chapters of it. So if you can't listen or read, it can go through your mind. How are you supposed to know that the heavens declare the glory of God? How are you supposed to know that his image is in the person next to you if you don't hear him say that in his word? Let's find out how to do that together. Can we be a church that works and fights for each other to get this Bible in our brains every day? Whether it's a text message or a phone call, Find some way to get God's word into your own heart and somebody else's heart once a day. This is not about a checklist thing. This is about knowing Yahweh. He's our maker. This is what you were made for, to know him. If you don't want God like this, if you don't want him like I'm talking about, Simple. Ask him. There's a prayer that I found years ago, and I printed it out, and I put it in my wallet, and I prayed it every day, and I think it might have changed my life. It's also uh, from A.W. Tozer. Listen to this prayer. I think it's from The Knowledge of the Holy, a book that he wrote. He prays, O God, I have tasted your goodness, and it has both satisfied me and made me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need for further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O God, the triune God, I want to want you. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty still. So if you want some application for this message, take that sentence and pray it this week. God, I want to want you. I want to want you more than I do today. Here is the hope of the gospel that God will use all of his power to bring us into his presence, to make us happy forever in him. You do not have to make yourself happy in God. God will do the work. Ask him. Plead with him to make you want him more than anything. Psalm 84, verse 11 says, No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And this reminds me of another verse in the Bible. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper now. And the Lord's Supper is a reminder of this truth.
that God did not spare his own son's body, that he did not spare his blood, but his body was broken and his blood was shed for us. I have to think that as Yahweh brought the first grapes and grains into existence, he did so with a, a little tinge of pain, knowing that it would forever be a reminder of the suffering that he was going to go through. But also, what happiness must have filled his heart knowing that he could share his fullness with us. If you don't really know him today, don't come forward and take these things. It doesn't mean anything if you don't have him. But please take Christ. Take him today. You don't know if you have the next minute or the next hour. Take him now. If you don't know how to do that, start with this simple prayer. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord. And then talk with someone afterwards. And we'll go from there. So God, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts. That you would remind us of this good news. That we can have you forever. That as we take this juice and this bread, as we taste it and chew on it, as we feel the realness of it, that we would know more than ever that you are real, that your gospel is real, that our happiness in you forever can be real. God, make us to want you. We want to want you more than anything. This week, I pray that you would teach us to walk in your ways, that we would believe more than we ever have, that you're not withholding anything good from us when we follow you. Thank you for your power. Thank you for your presence. May it all be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.